Hello and welcome to this, the 22nd edition of Shift, with me, Ewan Semple. And me, Megan Murray. And this time, mostly because I've been messing around with schedules and have had three false starts to actually sitting down to record this podcast, I thought perhaps the topic of time might mm-hmm. be suitable and all its ramifications. And uh, it's frequently one of the reasons people give that they can't invest in social media. You know, you know, how do you find the time to do all of that? And I think it's one of the big issues in, in corporate life, Megan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? I, I think it's one of the biggest issues in corporate life. I think it's also one of the biggest issues in personal life. And uh, hence, it's, it's uh, uh, experience in the corporate world and in our, in our work worlds. It's part of our human life. Um, it, it, always, uh, it always kind of frustrated me when, as a, as a practitioner sitting at a desk, when I would hear um, a person coming back to me that I was trying to, to, to coach um, or entice into participating in the network, um, it was always super frustrating to me to hear that particular argument. Um, because for me, what I was hearing was, uh, you know, without taking it too off far off the rails, what I was hearing was, I don't have time to learn to have a relationship with these, these folks. Um, which I found infuriating because I thought that was part of the core of the problem. Um, but then when I looked at it, I think it has more, that particular issue has more to do with fear than it does with actual time, which drives me to the point, which is that people prioritize what's important to them. Yeah. Um, so regardless of what your, um, your hourly numbers are that you have to achieve, your, uh, the, the different projects, the, the, the percentages of completion you have to get on your different projects within certain time frames, uh, whatever you know, measure you're held to, um, you still have agency and you still have power um, and people exercise that on a regular basis simply in the choices that they make about their days. Um, so I find it, you know, I'm, I'm, you know I want to say that uh, you know, we made up time. We we can do anything we want, you know. <laughs> well, it's a it's a it's a, a a signifier of relative value, isn't it? In mm-hmm. some ways, it's mm-hmm. what we 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 value more highly. We tend to spend more time on. Right. Um, so you're right. I mean, when people dismissively say they don't have time for this or that, they're really saying I don't find this or that important enough to invest the time in it. Precisely. Or and, you know, and, what's and, interesting though too. I mean, there's the other piece of that though is that there is. Um, uh, there is perceived merit in being too busy as well. Oh, sure. I mean, that, that drives me nuts as well. I mean, that, that macho mm-hmm. uh, about, be, you know, how are you? Oh, I'm really busy. I have been for months. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Especially if they're freelancers, I always think, yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good for you then. Um, it's, it's because of bluster, isn't it? You know? Well, yeah, and what I see it is... Um, uh, I, I, have a, I have a couple of friends who I will not name names, and if they're listeners, they will, they'll be, you know, shuddering in their seats right now but there there are there are a couple of people that i know and love dearly who are um i've known them for uh almost in the double digits of years at this stage in the game and they still pride themselves or still lament um one of the things that they talk about on social media all the time is how busy they are how yeah. uncomfortably busy they are uh, how unhappily busy they are um and uh I work for those folks. I work for them a lot. But I think about that, what is it that they're trying to prioritize for? Who are they trying to prioritize for? Why? Well, and, and let's face it, it can, it can be a, being busy can be a protection as well. Can't yeah, it? I mean, sure it's, can. It's, yeah. You know, I'm too busy to stop and think whether what I'm being busy on is worthwhile or not. Yeah, yeah, because that might be a little scary thing to look at. But it's, um, I mean, that that in and of itself, I remember I I tended to do that. Um, when I uh, worked inside of a large corporation, when I found myself uncomfortable with things, it was the way to. It was a way to say, um, you know what, I I need to to retreat a little bit and uh, focus on things that are important to me, or focus on things that are um, uh, going to give me a little bit of sanity in this job. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's funny. I don't know. It's time. Time goes in a lot of different directions uh, because of the fact that we made it up. I think in that uh, uh, you know this is of course this is our podcast, so whatever I say is what I think. But um, I mean, it's really it, it it's a reflection of us as individuals, 
and that reflection of us as individuals and then uh, mirrored with the way that an organization responds to that yeah. Yeah. is um, that's your culture. Well, and of course, one of the, one of you know one of the aspects of Taylorism was the measurement of time spent on various tasks. Yeah. And you know, if you're in a law office or an accounting firm, you're still subject to the hourly billing, yes, um, pernicious force. If you like, yes. and, you know, again, I know with some of the the clients of work with trying to get knowledge sharing done in those kind of environments. Oh, it's madness. That's the big reason that they can't. They say they can't yeah. do it because well, I'm paid by the hour. Why should I waste some yeah. of those hours helping other people? Basically, I had a salesman um, uh, from the UK actually uh, tell me uh, in a meeting one time when I was trying to explain to them um, how to take advantage of uh, a particular technology. Um, what are your numbers? Yeah. Anger, like actual anger, enough to to try to. Out me in his mind to a to a room full of people, um, really? yeah. Oh, it was fascinating. He came and apologized afterwards, but begrudgingly so. But but he did. Um, but but that but, I mean that that competitive thing. Yes. You know, just yes. just because you can take longer to do something than I can doesn't make you more macho, does it? I right. Mean, that, well, no. It, nor does it make you more vulnerable, or you know. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that it's it's that. You hear things for what they are. Our our perceptions, our stories, our normatives about the world, um, all of it, it all impacts the, this, the our choices that we make. And one of the most important choices, one of the last moments of agency that we have um, in a working environment, whether it's measured or not, is our time. We get to make conscious choices about what we're doing with it. Will we hit a measure? Will we not hit a measure? Um, it's uh, uh, Well, so, well some, some would argue... But they don't. I mean, you know, we, we both clearly think that they have more control yeah. than they, they, they feel they do. But, Certainly. you know, if you, if you are in the city, for instance, you know, where there's a very strong culture of presenteeism, mm -hmm. um, the whole pecking order of who's in first and who leaves last and yeah. bosses who are vocally annoyed if people aren't there on time mm -hmm. or, or leave early, um, you know, there's quite a lot of pressure on people to appears to be being there and working. I mean, I remember when I did my first job in in work was was a clerical job. And I, in a bizarre sort of way, enjoyed it. I liked getting good at it. Mm -hmm. I liked getting faster at it. So I would come in in the morning and beast in and organise things and make lots of nice tidy patterns in the things that I was scheduling. And then sit back with my feet on the desk and read the newspaper for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Which really wound my colleagues up <laughs> because they were trying to make themselves look busy for the whole day right. and and spin it out, um, which was just would have done my head and I couldn't do it. Yeah, well, it's I mean, and that's something too. I think it's um, there's a fear. Well, there's an expectation I think from from some folks that um, work should be painful, work should be mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, uh, that it should be something that, you know, it's the Protestant work ethic. It's no pain, no gain, um, no, no success without sacrifice. Um, you know, there's, and, and I don't want to give the impression that I'm the, you know, the fluffy American sitting in San Francisco talking about, um, you know, everything should be namby-pamby and, and nice and flowers and you should be able to do whatever you want and get paid for it. The point is, uh, that the whole notion of, uh, that it has to be painful, that you can't have a collaborative, cooperative uh, um, uh, relationship with the people that you work with and be aware of what your role is, aware of what your goals are, and given the autonomy to perform it. Um, and if, you know, when you do not perform, then there's a response to it, as opposed to setting up this, you know, artificial safety risk avoider control yeah. structure that you know, dumbs many people down into a place where they do things like um, work themselves to death for no reason, um, yep. like spend so much time away from their family that they uh, now suddenly have a, a dysfunctional relationship with their family. Um, well, I was going to say one of the other aspects of time that's, that's changing is the line between home home time and work time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and who exercises that judgment and says the guy who just had dinner and is now doing the podcast yeah yeah you're right and it's even more of an issue if you're a freelancer because what, yes. when do you stop working right exactly um, what, what are the lines in the sand and uh, you know the, the answer is you have to get better at enforcing those 
right. and, and making judgments about them, whether, whether in full-time employ or not, and being brave enough to say no. You know, and again, I think the whole overload issue t- touches on this as well, that, that people feel burdened by the amount of incoming stuff that they feel they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. But you know, I always say there is only so much time. You have got only so much attention. If it keeps increasing, the expectations keep increasing, you're going to have to say no more often. Right. And to more people, and to more senior people. Yes, um, yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, and you're going to have to learn how to do that. But to yeah. have the confidence and the comfort to be able to do that, you got to ask yourself why you're doing it in the first place. You know, this is one of those 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 places where um, I strongly suggest with people that they get a little self-aware about why is it that I'm killing myself like this? Why is it that I do this? Is it really this mm-hmm. lever or this mechanism that I'm measuring myself to? Or, or, or on the flip side, the guilt of not doing anything. Precisely. You know, you know, Precisely. That, that's the, you know, talking about the Protestant work ethic coming from where I do in Scotland, I've got that in spades. And, mm-hmm. and the... The feeling of wasting, well, I get here, wasting time. You know, it's really interesting how right. it, it, the, the opportunity to be creative and to think differently does come from wasting time. It does mm-hmm. come from taking the pedal, the foot off the pedal and just allowing you, this is why walking is so effective. It allows you to throw ideas around much more creatively than you do when you are stuck facing a computer and trying to get something done by a certain time. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, and I was thinking back to Michal Csikszentmihalyi, and I'm only just saying that so I can show off that I know how to say his name, um, but the guy who wrote the book on flow, mm-hmm. and the fact that when you're in a state of flow, you don't notice the passage of time. Yes. You know, t- mm-hmm. hours can go by and you don't even realise it. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's very, uh, you know, it's Einstein, isn't it? If you, 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 yeah. you could be two people in the same situation, one of whom feels it's felt like hours, and the other one it's felt like moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get that way when I paint. Um, mm. and, and mm. we'll get into, you know, hard slog where I've got, I, I get to do that tomorrow. I've got 40, uh, 40 outlines that I have to work on for a portraiture thing that I'm working on. And it's that, um, I really look forward to those moments because to me, that's the perfect marriage of productivity and kind of Zen, you know, it's, it's, it's eyeball to hand kind of work as opposed to, to really overthinking yeah. stuff. But that's when crazy ideas pop into my head. Um, and it's, it's giving yourself that time. I mean, so one of the things that I'm working on, uh, that I'm exploring with this, uh, the, the not-for-profit thing that I'm working on right now is the, um, it's, to me, it's a very similar kind of romanticized argument that, uh, uh, you know, arch means that you have to suffer. Um, <laughs> yeah. right. And that I've actually yeah. met, I mean, a, 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 I had an interesting conversation with a, a few years ago with a, um, a nationally known uh, uh, rock musician here um, and uh, a, a very well uh, accomplished art fr- a fine art friend of mine where the fine art friend was saying, you have to suffer. You have to have pain if you're going to do art. Simple as that. That's, I mean, she was adamant about that story. The nationally known rock and roll guy who's known for his rousting, you know, sold houses and and having a great time was like, uh, I don't think so. (laughs) You know, and I see it's, it's fascinating to me. And I think it depends upon, again, it gets back to perspective where you were raised, um, what, what kind of experiences you had in terms of, you know, reward and enjoyment and and how much openness Mm -hmm. was in your, in your space, um, or how much search that for that, you know? Well, it's funny, even just when you were saying that you were painting tomorrow, Mm -hmm. Despite myself, I thought, oh, yeah, tomorrow's a Monday. She's not working. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and then I thought, obviously, your circumstances have changed over the time that we've been doing the podcast and you're mm-hmm. no longer in full-time employment. But, it, you know, it is interesting how just that, I, I you know, but the I, day I of the week suddenly clocked. I get paid for my painting, too, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I like to consider that employment. But um, it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's part of the... Uh, it's part of the whole situation. I mean, a, a lot of what I'm experiencing right now personally is around how much time do I put into my mm. creative endeavors? How much time do I put into, um, you know, I just had a, a, a conversation with a couple of different people about this this week. They said, what do you do with your time? How do you, how do you make sure that you're balancing things out so that you are, um, you know, making all the money that you need to make and um, still having the kind of life that you want to have? Um, because I've been very adamant. I've been asked in the past, um, to, to go into full-time consulting, to go into, 
um, more of a, a of kind of that freelancing role. And I'm I'm not opposed to it necessarily, but the whole notion of spending all of my time um, doing the push and the network um, is hard for me to do mm-hmm. in in a, in a business space. It's just not something that that uh, um, I can I can hold that space for that kind of activity in my head for a long time. I need as a creative person a certain amount of creative outlet. So what I'm trying to do time wise for myself is to set up a world where. All right. Here's what my week looks like on a on a Monday. I'm going to do creative work um, because it's traditionally been one of those days where I wake up and I go, "Oh, it's Monday. All right, let's get it together." You know. Um, so let me do creative work and get my get the juices flowing that I need flowing for the rest of the week. Uh, Tuesday through uh, Wednesday is is not for profit work. Um, Thursdays are uh, grab bag. I can go in either direction depending upon. Uh, what's available to me schedule-wise for other people and being able to connect with them. Much of the not-for-profit work, oddly enough, is is very similar to doing consulting work in that you have to network with a whole lot of other organizations, with artists, uh, with uh, sponsors and, and uh, uh, lawyers and you know tax people and stuff like that. So it's I leave times uh, available for uh, my network and connecting. Uh, in certain spaces. It's interesting that you you use the unit of the day to describe that because yes. over the years, eight years since I left the BBC, I've had umpteen different approaches to managing my time and mm-hmm. I love reading about and implementing different productivity techniques and ways of looking at things. And I, you know, the different levels of focus and energy that you take to do certain things and whether you mix them up with other things to give you a break and mm-hmm the whole Pomodoro technique thing and, and how long you can sustain intense focused work. And, but I also am very conscious that both of us now have that opportunity to maximise that, to be in control of that to quite a high degree. Right, right. And the luxury to work out when we're at our best. Oh, intensely. You know, the other side of this is that... Um, I've got a, a, a friend who works close by to me, and he is, um, I'm constantly hearing, he works for a consulting firm, and I'm constantly hearing about, oh, I've got four meetings this morning. Okay, four meetings this morning. That's awesome. So what, <laughs> are, what are you doing in those four meetings? Well, first we have our, our team goal meeting, and then I have to have my personal goal meeting, and then I have to meet with the client and have our weekly goal meeting, Jeez. and then I'm thinking, you know... And and I get it. I mean, I understand. It's when you're when you're in that kind of binary measured world where everything is or isn't. Um, you you kind of require that, right? It's it's got to show up somewhere. They haven't learned how to do it in a in a uh, an online way. They they don't have an open room that they use in Skype. There's not. Well, the, yeah, this this came up in a workshop I was doing in Oxford this week where. One of the participants had, about a year ago, I think, left corporate life and was freelancing. And she'd been working with a company who were, I think, a startup, not necessarily tech, I don't think, but they were a startup, who, as you say, were, were, were very online. They weren't in the same space necessarily, but they had all that sort of peripheral vision stuff you get when you use all the tools. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that they all kind of knew what each other was doing. They didn't have to keep asking each other. They didn't have to have meetings. They'd almost, you know, they sort of had rough job areas and job responsibilities but they didn't get hung up about about that because they didn't need to because they had all this peripheral stuff and and were in this constant state of ongoing awareness of what each other was doing mm-hmm. and she was saying how staggeringly more efficient it was yeah than her experience of working in a big organization where, where time is measured very differently and the mechanics of coordinating your time are, are pretty lumping still yeah i mean it's 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 so much more effective I, I have found it so much more effective, but it, the, the prerequisite for it is that you have people who can do that kind of thing in the first place. Yes. You know, and unfortunately, they spend a whole lot of, you know, when, when it gets down to the tool conversation, you end up having this circular conversation about, you know, is this the right tool or is that the right tool or is the other right tool? If you're not doing it in the first place, it's, you know, good luck to you. Um, it's well, it, but it is chicken and egg, isn't it? I mean, it really and, is. And, I, and I'm very conscious of this with, with folks. And, and again, you know, that, going back to my jibe in the, in the opening that when people now ask me how do you find the time to do all the social media stuff mm-hmm. and, and they'll say how much time do you spend on it and I've started to say enough yeah and just leave an awkward pause and you can see them thinking what does he mean enough yeah 
Yeah. And then I'll go into it and I'll say, well, you know, enough. I, 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 not too much. So I'm not wasting my time and I'm not getting obsessive about it, but mm-hmm. not too little such that I don't become as effective as I know I can be if I use these tools, you know. So right. it's, just, it's a right. choice. Well, and I, I find, you know, getting back to the chicken and the egg thing, I mean, it, to me, the, the only way to really introduce that experience effectively to somebody who isn't ready for it is to uh, make it about something that they need, right? And yeah. make it about something that they have a woe in, that they have an issue with, that uh, that you could really change things. Even if it's something as minute as saying, you and I are working on this thing together this week. Um, I know it's not your usual space, but can we just keep a Skype room open for the two of us? And if I have something, I'll ping yeah. you. Don't feel like you have to respond immediately. It's not meant to be interrupt me, but it's meant to be in the flow. Here's the here's the stuff that we need to go back to, um, and that that seems to be like a pretty effective starting point. Well, and you also quite quickly get into the position where you realise you have to stop doing some other things. Yes, you know things aren't just yes. going to expand infinitely. And you know, I always enjoy telling the story of the time when I stood up in a meeting, a you know, conventional diary meeting, which my assistant had put put me on by mistake Mm. and after 10 minutes I stood up and said look I don't mean to be rude or disrespectful but this is a complete waste of my time and walked out and um, you know you can see the stunned look on the faces of some just that I'd had the temerity to point out the bleeding bloody obvious and and again it's that thing about um, defending yourself against other people's priorities I guess is what we're talking about isn't it it's it's my time I've only got so much of it why should I be spending it doing what other th- other people think is important? Now, clearly, if one of those other people is your boss, <laughs> sure, you know, sure, sure, you've got a different level of conversation to have. But I think you have to have it, really. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I I had no problem um, going to my boss, or even having a few of the team go to my boss and say, "Hey, you know, here's the deal. We've got this meeting, this meeting, this meeting, this meeting." Um, is there a way that we can do this in, that's not so time-consuming for all of us? Um, maybe, you know, if, if let's, let's find out what it is, the root of what we're looking for with these meetings, and see if we can find something better. I mean, it's, it's that, that simple uh, um, kind of uh, request rule when you're dealing with a boss in the first place is don't just bring problems, bring an answer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and the whole idea is to, to simply... Um, uh, make it about what they need it to be about, whether that's efficiency or them getting the, the, the communication that they need or, or whatever. I mean, it's, and again, for me, it comes back to the person. It comes back to the individual at, at play. What's their fear level like? What's their confidence level like? How much control do they feel like they have over their, their own experience? Um, well, and frank, frankly, selling the idea of having more productive use of their time to, to your boss has got to be an attractive pitch. Sure. Um, Unless, of course, you're trying to obfuscate the, the reality that you don't have that much to do and you're, you know, well, just yeah. just busying yeah. out, you know. Um, there are some some people yeah. who make that choice just because they've had a rough relationship with their boss or or they don't have the kind of relationship that, that encourages them or inspires them to to, to want to be that awesome, you know? Well, it also, it also raises expectations, doesn't it? Because we can't all work at an optimal level all the time. Yeah. And in yeah. a sense, in a work context where you're being measured and monitored, whatever, if you if you begin to look like you can do that on a regular basis, people will come to expect it, won't they? Yes, they will. Oh, isn't that the, that's the, always the wonderful thing? If you do a great job, you're going to be punished with expected to be doing a great job <laughs> for the rest of your life. You know, yeah. it's um. I, I think that's part of it. Too. I mean, to me, that's part of why I have such a a, a, a kind of sour taste in my mouth now for the whole Taylorism approach to things, is that it's it's again it obfuscates reality. It doesn't. It's you're 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 either charged to obfuscate reality yourself uh, because that's how business is done in its business. Um, yeah. Or uh, it's it's obfuscated for you in the rules and measures that are are established in your name, um, or for you to perform against. Um, it's problematic. It's really problematic. I, I I think though that it's a conversation that people should have. You know, when you're when you're having a conversation with your with your boss um, and trying to get to that place where you're a little bit more human. Um, and the folks who do this kind of thing already, myself, yourself. 
um, some of the other folks in, in kind of the social world that I can think of practitioner-wise. Um, you get to be known as a troublemaker to a bit of a degree. Um, you have to be comfortable with taking that risk and, and bringing the tough conversation forward. Yeah. And to say, listen, I understand that, that we have measures that we're held against as a team. Um, I want to meet those measures. I want to do a great job with those. I want to see if we can find a more human way among our group to, to connect with one another in whatever it is that we need to connect with one another about to meet those measures. You know? It's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, in a sense, you have to have a degree of self-confidence and self-worth yes. Yes. to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's one of my big problems is that I have sometimes scare myself with uh, my ability to do nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I really am a saint or a sinner. I'm either able to pile in and do not, an awful lot of stuff quite quickly or I will genuinely just do sort of all for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know what, though? I mean, again, some... Some of us need that. Some yeah, of us. Yeah, I was going to say maybe that's just the way my my It's saner, sinner, yeah. genius, yeah. or lackey. You know, I mean, yeah. it's uh, that's the obfuscation of reality right there. It's it's that it's binary. You're all of those things all of the time, and yeah, you can wander off and have moments where you're not chiefly focused on producing, but there's other production going on inside your head that you might not even be conscious of. You know, well, and it's funny because it goes back to the so often said thing about people not being real on the internet mm-hmm. every time I hear that I think well okay which, which one's the real me then and I, I'm multiple me's sometimes at the same time right. sometimes I have arguments between the different me's you know right absolutely absolutely well and it's it's that's the thing too I mean it's it's that it's not all or nothing it's everything we are everything we are the whole and the breadth of our, our personality um, demonstrated it through different lenses as we approach and experience different experiences. You know, it's, uh, uh, that's just humans. That's how we work. And the whole notion that, that, that these are the rules and these are the channels and this is how we operate within them. Um, you know, I mean, for, for, for some people, it's going to feel comfortable and functional and safe and uh, will meet all the needs that they have for risk aversion and for, um, you know, the, the, you know, to hit the marks that they have to hit so that they can go home and, and, and enjoy their lives um, at the end of the day. For others of us, that's not possible. I, I want to be happy in my day. Um, well, and, and, you know, extend that to careers uh-huh. and people defer happiness until it's over in, yes. in some cases. Yes. Um, Talk about time. Holy cow. I think, well, and of course, that's the other great kindness of life is that, it, is that it speeds up as you get older as well. Right? It's you know. the uh, the universal joke. It's so unfair. Isn't it? Um, but, but I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and, and when, I, when I talk about folks um, really looking at themselves and trying to figure out where this need to... Um, you know, to fit in whatever mold it is for me to, to, to fit into the, to the one that says that I want to be loosey goosey in the way that I schedule things. And I want to have more flexibility and more, uh, ability to work in a real time than I do in a scheduled time. Um, why do I do that? You know, why, why do I need the openness of that? Um, I've, I've done some work. I think I've figured it out and I know that this is, is just serving me. And what's more important is that I'm going to keep on checking in, um, in real time, being mindful about it to make sure that it's still working for me as I go along and change yeah. as I need to. Um, well, and, and also just, you know, thinking about that in the context of me talking about wasting that the idea of wasting time is interesting, isn't it? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I'm at risk very often of, you know, reading multiple books all all the time. Some on my phone, some on my iPad, some real books. I'm listening to audio books when I'm walking or driving the car. You know, and sometimes I realise how little of my waking time is actually not doing something. Mm-hmm. And so there isn't any, and it's not wasted time. There isn't any time to just pause. And you know, maybe it is that thing about man's ills stemming from his inability to sit quietly in a room alone. You know that. Uh, and it goes back to the busyness mantra mm-hmm. of of just almost being scared to stop, isn't it? It's almost like that that just being com- comfortable enough with actually just sitting. That's why meditating is hard for so many people, isn't it? That, right, right. Even when you're meditating, you're trying really, really hard to make really, really useful use of the time. Right. <laughs> you know? I want to do this good. I've got to do this right. Uh, it's got to be the best thing ever. You know, it's... 
it's it's so funny. I mean, we we tend to uh, we tend to hold on to things that are familiar, even if they're damaging. Um, yeah. Not you know detrimental. I shouldn't say damaging. Maybe maybe not affecting us as as well as we would like them to, but. We hold on to those things out of comfort that, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Well, well I, was, I was just reading the, the, a wonderful book called The Examined Life at the moment, which is stories of a, a psychoanalyst and, and some of the stories from his clients and the stories we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about folks in, in the, the Twin Towers at, at, when, uh, on 9-11. Mm-hmm. And when the fire alarms went, one lady who he knew immediately got up and started walking out the building. Mm-hmm. But others stood and had a discussion about whether it was a real fire alarm or whether it mattered or whether, you know, having had one tower be hit, the, ne- the next one was unlike, you know, that wouldn't happen to them. Right, right. And, and, and as he said, it's just them clinging to habit. Yeah. Um, the, the idea of changing their habit and getting off their butt and getting out of the place fast is really, really, it's, it's ridiculously hard. Yes, it is. It really, really is. I mean, human patterns, the, the patterns that we come up with, the, the choices that we make, um, it's back to that that, uh, that 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 book that I mentioned. The the boy who was raised as a dog. Um, when they talk about the you know the development of um, where we get our our instinct and where we uh, where we get our empathy and where we re- respond to uh, things. When you look at the way that the brain develops, a lot of that stuff comes really early on, um, and doesn't ever get reexamined doesn't ever get looked at it it's it's chalked up to being personality or uh his yeah. nature yeah. or her nature or whatever um and not that it's not that they're all inherently bad it's just it's the examination of the thing in the first place that that gives window to the opportunity to do i like this or not like this can i make it better can i not make it better yeah well and, and like you said earlier we, we, we're going to make it up our perspective on time is made up yeah, I mean, for instance I, on monday i went well sunday night i drove up to wales from here which is a four-hour drive mm-hmm. and then did a fantastic 10-hour hike in the hills on monday and then four hours in, on monday evening back mm-hmm. now, now two four-hour drives it's could be a daunting prospect sure but i saw it as four hours of uh Game of Thrones in each direction. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was actually looking forward to that luxury of, of four hours of uninterrupted fantasy. You know. I, I, <laughs> I got to say, I mean, again, you know, kind of you know, going back to my painting example, I, I love those opportunities where I get to be so excited about what I'm doing that I don't care what time it is. I don't know what yeah. time it is. I forget. You said uh, something about... Um, I think it was before we started recording. You said something. Like, oh yeah, it's Sunday, right? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, we're doing we're we're doing this thing today. It's the weekend. It's not it's not Monday. Oh, I know. One of Penny's, one of my wife's friends, once said to me when I travelled back from somewhere on a Saturday, she said, oh, "Do they make you work on a Saturday then?" <laughs> and I just kind of went numb. <laughs> they, they make me. Who's what? They? You know, <laughs> what's a Saturday anyway? You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, it, what's interesting to me so with. The way that my life works, being involved with business and being involved in the arts as a business, um, much of the arts happen on a weekend. Much of the op- oh, arts yeah. happen late yeah. at night, you know. Um, so there, there Well, are- that was part of why I stopped being a professional musician because it dawned on me that I was working by definition pretty much most of the time when everybody else I knew wasn't. Exactly. That's their playtime kind of thing, right. That's so right. It's, it's tough. I mean, I, I end up having to – my work hours are whenever they happen to be. Um, sometimes it could be a show that starts at 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I need to be there to say hello to people or to represent what I'm doing or to help somebody out or, you know, uh, whatever. But it's, it's being, I have, I have put myself in a place where the work that I'm doing, whether it be the, this podcast or the, uh, um, the not-for-profit work, I'm passionate enough about that I don't care about time. I, I care about time when I have a meeting with somebody and that I had to I have to adhere to that and and respect them and be there and and be responsible about that um, I care about time in so much as that I don't want to be uh, I don't want anybody waiting for me um, or I don't want to be perceived as a roadblock um, which is interesting too I wonder why um, but as far yes as, yes that's that's interesting when I, I have a real got it from my grandmother thing about being late I just never, I'm never I'd rather sit around and wait than be late mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and of course then that was exacerbated by doing a, a job with live broadcasting where you just couldn't be late you know things have to be on the yeah. air on the time sort of thing so 
Um, if you ever want to bring me out in hives, force me to be late for something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where I, I live here and a lot of the performers that I deal with have uh, you know their own performance time, which means they set, they set an event time for 9 o'clock at night, which means that they go on at 11. And yet, well, see, again, the BBC was very interesting in that way because uh, the broadcast they had to happen bang on the, the minute, the second. Mm-hmm. But meetings were very different. That's interesting. Um, That's very interesting within that culture specifically. I know I yeah. know that some places, when I was at Booz Allen, it was like you had to be there within that five-minute window of start. And if you weren't, that's it. You know, you, you might have been running from one building to the other kind of thing to get to the meeting. So you get a little and, bit and of And it's interesting just that the level of condemnation and disapproval that yeah. that can bring on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, in this day and age, too, if you've not communicated it ahead of time or if you – there are all kinds of little rules that get made up about it. Yeah. Um, however, yeah. when I work, the, the worked in other places, um, it, the expectation was you could sit there waiting for people as much as 20 minutes and they might not show up because they had decided it wasn't important and didn't need their time. And that they were so – And again, you know, the, the, way you, the way you respond to that – I mean, it's funny because yeah. occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll have to wait for somebody. And I, I go all zen in it and just – Decide that it's useful time to sit quietly and just contemplate mm-hmm. life, the universe, and everything. Yeah. Um, but there's a small, well, not a small part, a big part of me wanting to get really pissed off that they didn't take me seriously enough yeah, to turn totally. up on time. Yeah. You know? I, I always used to make me absolutely nuts. It's like, what am I, chop liver? I'm sitting over here. You know, <laughs> I've I've given you this hour of my day. I have many other things to do. And yeah. but then I realized with all the all the anger, all the frustration. That's all coming from what am I, chop liver? Oh yeah, you know, it it's not. Self, morph, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it. So you know, so I can take the high road and choose to be a little more zen about it. And if I am frustrated and irritated, I say, okay, no, know that I was a little mad, but I'm not now. Yeah, you go, you go all <laughs> passive aggressive instead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot you can do with it, but but it's again, it's one of those opportunities. Whenever I find myself fired up about something that 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 somebody is confronting me with or challenging me with. Normally, that's an opportunity. My my first opportunity, my first opportunity is to say something snarky and obnoxious. My second opportunity is to go, hmm, "Why did I do that?" Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, but that's part of the work. That's part of part of being present and mindful in all of this. Well, actually, just possibly the, the last, just the thought for the last couple of chunks of this. The, the two thoughts, perhaps. One was an increasing feeling. I, you know, I tend not to be morbid. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend not to think of my age, but I do occasionally have thoughts that I do feel a desire to do lots of things that are worthwhile and hopefully useful, mm-hmm. and I sometimes worry about running out of time mm-hmm. or, or regretting not having start, not having got off my backside earlier. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's that sense of it as a diminishing and, and finite resource. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, it is certainly... Um, and I, I personally, I think that's all the more reason to, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, f- to kind of fight the fight and figure it out, and yeah. make sure that you're you're yeah, going to get better without you trying, is it? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's not it. it you you want to be able to manage your life. You want to be able to manage your team. You want to be able to participate in your team or your business um, from a place of of happiness, from a place of of dare I say joy. You know, how ooh, that goes right against the Protestant work ethic. But I mean. You want to be able to enjoy your life. If you're going to be working eight hours every single day, um, which, you know, as, as things merge, it tends to be happening that way. Um, you might want to be happy in the process. Um, and the, well, but, but then you get into the catch-22 situation that if you are more joyful and happy, the bloody stuff disappears faster. <laughs> well, if you've you only know, got so much of it left, maybe you want to get really bored so it feels like a long so time. You know what? Just give it up. Just go get depressed. <laughs> Sit in a corner. Go watch. At, um, if you've not seen the movie Joe versus the Volcano, which is what this is reminding me of now. Well, I haven't, no. It's an old Tom Hanks movie, a Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movie. Ava Goda's in it. It's a... Um, oh, great. A, a bunch of uh, a bunch of Americans are nodding their heads right now, but there's this it's this this beautiful story of um, this Tom Hanks's character who gets diagnosed with uh, that told that he's going to die in a relatively short period of time. He's diagnosed with what's called a brain cloud, um, and he works in this terrible, gloomy, dark. Everything's filtered in blue kind of environment. Lots of fluorescent lighting. It's kind of very much what we're talking about today. Excellent. Um, 
and he decides to to you know he's only got so much life left he's gonna he's gonna go take care of his bucket list and make it happen mm-hmm. um brilliant brilliant movie highly recommend that you go see it especially after this topic it's it's one of my favorites i like to watch I'm it gonna add it to the list you know once every couple of years i like to make sure it gets a, it gets a full viewing but uh, <laughs> you know the, 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 other, the other kind of forward time thought that i that i had was you know, somebody actually in a meeting the other day that talked about a five-year strategy and people sniggered. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 I love that, that story. <laughs> slightly quaint <laughs> idea that you could have, you know, that you could confidently predict five years ahead. Sure. Um, and that's something else that I think is, is changing around us, isn't it? Is yeah. the time scales Well, in both directions, because yeah, I'm kind of quite well known for saying that the, the full-time skills for the social stuff to have its impact is much longer than most people think. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand the timescales in which the things you're doing now will stay relevant and workable is getting shorter all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Well, I mean, the, the, the shift is occurring and the shift is shift, you know. <laughs> it's uh, it's that we're, we're, we're constantly... So the economies rise and fall in five years. Uh, technologies yeah. rise and fall in five years. Um, it's it's to, to... Careers come and go in five... Well, not careers, but jobs come and go in yeah, five years. Yeah, they certainly do. You could have two or three jobs in five years. Yeah. You know? It's... Um, and that's not and that, to and say... That, that, that's a sort of psychological pressure, isn't it? Because, you know, the, the argument that we are biologically ill-suited or at least not adapted yet to the the timescales in which we live, you know, that, that our change used to be much slower. Mm-hmm. Our ability to... Our, our, our opportunity to get our heads around things was much more relaxed. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've talked on this podcast before about people feeling a real pressure to keep up. And I think it's it's almost like at two levels, isn't it? It's at the micro level of just the incoming speed of small stuff and processing that small stuff within the time allotted to you yeah. on a daily basis. But also it's that slightly bigger unease about the world moving faster and the, and the decisions, the big decisions you have to make happening more frequently. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, well, well, to me, that that's even more reason to make sure that you are trying to come from a place of awareness and a place of, of happiness seeking in your life. Because you're going to get pummeled if you're coming from yeah. a place of fear. Um, yeah. And organizations are going to get pummeled when they come from a place of fear too. I mean, the, what was it? The average life of a large, large corporation. Um, um, I can't remember this, where this stat came from. It was I remember hearing it about a year ago that it was. Um, and so, forgive me if it's just total bunk. But um, uh, the, the, the average lifespan of a large corporation was about fifteen years these days, as opposed to thirty or forty or ninety or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's happening. It's happening right now. And if you're not prepared for it and you're no, you don't have the tools to support your own health and your own happiness um, and your own grounding in the experience of working for a, an organization or participating in an organization or, or being somebody who is trying to steward and, and foster uh, the environment for others within an organization. Well, and, and, and let's face it, I mean, you know, we, we always try to sort of have some grounded maybe not advice, but ways of looking at things in the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is what I think, I, you know, it's part of why I'm so interested in meditation and, and being mm-hmm. present and being able to make, being able to control my experience of time better. Or not just time, but t- experience of life better, or be at least more aware of my experience of life. And this is partly why, is to protect, learn to protect myself. And I think that's where it hurts, isn't it? If you feel out of control. If you feel as if you're a train running out of control and it's all being done to you. But of course, what you do have ultimate control over is your interpretation and experience of that reality. Um, You can step back from it and observe it and make more thoughtful judgments about it than, you know, it is that old joke about coming down the stairs without the head banging. Mm -hmm. Um, But you need to find ways. And mindfulness and meditation are clearly techniques that are being attractive to those who are pushing the luck <laughs> to speed of change well, at the moment, aren't they? You know, that's why. It's, you know, it's tools. It's that I, I look at it as tools, in whether it's a tool that I'm using that is uh, a, a way for me to 
navigate something that is making me uncomfortable or um, to find out more about uh, why I respond in ways that I, that I do so that I can make a conscious choice about it. Um, it's really just understanding what those tools are. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm sort of in a way wrong about control when I think about it because one of the one of the things I love about like, like the walk we walk we did on Monday. I mean, that was maybe about three thousand feet of climbing and about ten miles worth of of hiking. Was that there are there were some very finite limits as to how fast we could do that. Yeah, and and actually Dave did it considerably faster than I did because he's a lot thinner than I am at the moment. But I enjoy the enforced slowness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, I, I, I enjoy the fact that I can't just put my foot down or press a button and make it all happen faster. Right. It's going to take me three hours to get to that thing, <laughs> or or more, you know. Yeah. And and so in a sense, that's funny, isn't it? I enjoy the enforced aware, and I've written about this before. That whole thing about enjoying the pleasure of each step. Mm-hmm. And the, and the, even the pain of each step, but just that physical reality of each step and the granularity of the soil or the rock or whatever, it's almost like it forces me to slow down. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy that feeling, but I don't enjoy being forced to speed up. It's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's it's uh, so it's funny today. Uh, I am one of the tools that I am employing is to. Um, I, I got rid of my car last week for the first mm-hmm. time since I was. 15 years old, I don't have a car. Goodness me. I live in a city. Um, I do most of my work and business within a certain section how, of the how, state. How un-American of you, Megan. Right? I mean, that's... Uh, it's, it's scary. It's. It, it, I mean, I've lived here for three years. When I came here, um, my story was that I wanted to have a smaller life that I was responsible for um, so that I could spend more of my energy doing things that were important to me and, and gave me joy. Um and part of that, part of that plan initially was to, to not have a car. Um, and the the way that I'm dealing with that is that, you know, all the money that I would be spending on insurance and gas and stuff, we have a yeah. variety, a wide variety of services like Uber and, um, you know, uh, ride yeah. sharing and things like that that I can take advantage of, as well as bike shares, um, as well as I'm going today to pick up my own bike um, for the first time. If I was a city, I'd be doing exactly the same. Probably the first time since I was 14. <laughs> I will have a bike. So, um, but the thing that I found even in um, getting out there and riding bikes to try and to be, be being back on a bicycle again and looking at the city and traffic and people's interactions at that level um, mm. is that mm. it, 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 there is a strong sense of feeling more connected to it. Yeah. Um, because I am suddenly... Much I'm outside of my my safety box, and uh, which you know, which if something were to happen to me in the safety box, I would have to go pay a lot of money and get a ding removed. <coughs> Excuse me. Or, um, but if something happens to me on a bicycle, um, I could die. People die in the city uh, yeah, yeah. with some frequency um, from yeah. from bicycle accidents. So it's scary. Um, it also connects me with the city in terms of my relationship and understanding of what's going on around me. But it's also going to force me into a place where I have to manage my time more specifically. I can't lollygag and then realize that I need to be somewhere, hop in the car and go. Um, I need to plan for what's my route. How am I going to get there? Um, I live in San Francisco, so a wrong turn on a wrong street could mean that I'm going up a 40 degree hill. So (laughs) they're not fun to walk, much less ride. Um, there are lots of considerations that I have to take into account. And for me, that's a tool. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's just yeah. simply another yeah, tool. That, that's exactly my point. That, that, that kind of almost enforced grasp of reality. Yeah. It's scary. And, and it's, it's, it's a bit like all of our conveniences, isn't it? The cars, the washing machines, oh, yeah. the microwaves, all of them were meant to give us this free time, which we then are terrified to use. So we sit watching crap on the telly exactly. instead. And, it, and it, yeah. it is a conscious decision to, isn't it make the most of your time, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting, it, which it all leads me to, to uh, Clay Shirky's ideas about, uh, you know, cognitive surplus mm-hmm. and such. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I can't take on the whole world, but I can take on my block. You know, I can take on my uh, uh, my experience in it and, uh, and, and not have the answer necessarily, but know that this is a tool that's going to give me an opportunity to learn some stuff. Um, well, and even 
And I was conscious to wait until you'd finished there because I was going to interrupt you, and that would have been what, exactly what I'm talking about doing. Not, not even, and I'm guilty of this, not even having the patience to wait till the person's finished the sentence before right. you're coming in with the answer. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's hard. You know, so, so and we're all guilty being, of it, by the way. Yeah, see, but just being present in a conversation. <laughs> so, I said, see what I did there? <laughs> but, you know, that, that thing about being present enough in a conversation to actually leave a pause at the end of when somebody stops. Yeah. How scary would that be? Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, once you start looking, once you, I think this is part of the reason why some people are are uh, uh, frightened of of kind of looking looking down their own scary alleys is is uh, because you don't know what's there. You don't know how long it's yeah. going to take to get past it. You don't know how much work you're going to have to do to you know experience it wholly. But I I I, I say to you the the way that you get a grip on your time. Uh, other people's time and how you relate to those folks is to look down those scary alleys and figure out exactly what it is that's uh, you know kicking off your burners when something something triggers you about time, whether it's your own behavior or somebody else's behavior. Um, it, it's something that you need to explore if you really want to get a handle on it. Or you're more than welcome to just kind of like you know just be pissed off at it for the rest of your life. <laughs> you can do well, that well, too. That- it's entirely up to you. And I reckon, given that we're coming up to 51 minutes on this podcast, that's a really good cue. <laughs> <laughs> nice. if, if you have found this podcast too long, it's your own bloody fault. But, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but thank, th- I mean, thanks, Megan. That was that was uh, fun rattling around that topic. And I'm, I'm very conscious as well that um, I know some folks are sort of struggling to keep up with the ra- rapidity with which we're producing these podcasts. So there's another aspect of time altogether. Yeah. But, you uh, can listen to me whenever you want. It doesn't matter what order. Go crazy. Yeah, you, can, you can listen to them <laughs> double or triple speed and I would be even more unintelligible. Exactly. As would I, one of these days I'm going to get my normal voice back and I'll stop sounding like Kathleen Turner and you guys are going to be really oh, sad. Oh, no, don't. Don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> so anyway, th- thanks, Megan. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. You can uh, you can get hold of me at, at Ewan on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter as well. I'm at Megan Murray. And we'll see you again soon. 